Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Firm. I am Al Agreeable Gore. I'm here with Lance Problem Solving Psycho. We are here to entertain you today, uh, but before we do, we will entertain your mind with some expansion ideas of how to take your architecture firm from not just being an architect, but also be a builder. If you are interested in that, which you should be, especially if you are a residential architecture firm, go to architectsguide2.com, which is architectsguide2to.com. Check it out. Lance, what other sponsors do we have? Arquette, arquette.com with project conditions changing and limited time to get things done. It is good to have information at your fingertips. Arquette.com provides architects, engineers, spec writers, and contractors with the most comprehensive libraries of building product content and design so you can access it quickly and efficiently, even art, even better. My favorite part, arquette.com is free to use and requires no registration. So visit today and access the information you need now. Last but certainly not least, I need you no. to go. This is what I want for Christmas, everybody. Wow. You head over to Pelluxury.com today, forward slash the firm, Pelluxury.com forward slash firm. Click on that link. Show the sponsors that we're sending traffic to them. Take a look at the world-class collection of brands that they have brought together to provide window and door solutions to the building industry and beyond. Duratherm and Riley are the true pioneers of industry. They are doing what no one else has done, building and designing beyond the status quo. These brands do not push beyond the limits. They set them. Explore Pelluxury.com forward slash the firm today. Very important. Pelluxury.com forward slash the firm today. Check it out. Check it out. Well, Al, would you like to know what is going to happen next year? I would love to. That would be okay. Great. So uh, recently, my wife my wife has followed this gentleman for a long time. His name is Brian Buffini. He is an Ital- or, sorry. He is a Irish ing- uh, immigrant, uh, Irish American immigrant. Still has a very slight Irish accent, but not too bad. Um, and she, so he does a forecast. Uh, he does a Brian Buffini's bold predictions every year. It was about an hour long. Wow. Okay. It's really good. Uh, it does backed up by data. Anybody who doesn't know who Brian Buf- Brian Buffini is, he is a real estate mogul, but he's not one of these like uh, cringy ones like Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone, if you're listening, I don't care. You're cringy. You just too much, too often. My wife said that immediately. Exactly. Yeah. That he's cringy. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, Bu- and with the cringy part of it, it's like I don't trust you immediately. Brian Buffini. Slow, steady. He's like the Warren Buffett oh. of real estate. So uh, <clears throat> wife and I sat down, watched this the other night, and then I was so fascinated with some of these charts and um, why it ties into architecture. Well, a lot of people are listening to the show. Do single family housing uh, re- design work, whether they're remodels, additions, or brand new houses. And then it falls into the multifamily sector, commercial Basically, every single time one of these developments happen, big or small, right? Somebody's going to take out a loan. So the interest rates matter, and then therefore the, the forecast of everything matters, right? So the first thing I wanted to, I have, I have five clips 
up here. Sorry, six clips ready to show Al. And uh, we'll all learn about it together. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see the charts and everything like that. Um, but let's, the first thing I wanted to talk about or show, show him, show everybody was what caused the mortgage rate hike? So we know that the Fed raised interest rates, but like, what are, you know, interest rates, what are they at? Like two and a half percent now? Like, what is the Fed? Not mortgage oh. rates, but I'm talking about the, the, the rate that the Fed. Five, five point. No, no, no. We're not that high. No, no, it's not mortgage rates. You just mean the Fed, Fed, the Fed funding rate. I'll find it. Yeah, yeah. So find that out because what there was, there's some interesting numbers that they that they talk about. Like the fact that it spiked that it did, the mortgage rate spike that they did is actually abnormal. Four point five. Four point five. Okay. Yeah. Really, the federal funding rate is that much? No way. Federal fund rate. Reserve. I'm gonna look it up a different one. Sure. Different way. 4.4. Hmm. You're right. It is up to 4.4. Okay. But either way, so the, the you'll see that there's a special number. So let's 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 dive in here. This one is titled "What What Caused the Mortgage Rate Hike?" So well. So let's let's talk about the 30-year mortgage rate for right now. Uh, you know, the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage reached 20-year high. I mean, we have not seen the rapid increase in such a short duration of time. So to go from under 3% to above 7% within a short few months, I mean, this is a rapid increase, 20 year high, and key reason as to why the buyers are retreating. I would say for the most part, uh, the buyer confidence about the real estate uh, is there. It's just that they cannot afford a much higher interest rates. Right. So you saw the big spike there, right? Yep. And then the, the the next part talks about the spread between them, right? So if you have a funding rate of 4.4%, right? And you're seeing mortgage rates, you know, at one point they were like above 7, right? 6 6 and 3 quarters? Yeah. Recently and in, in that we know of. So, so that means it's getting closer to the normalcy. Mm -hmm. And th that's what they're they're going to talk about next. And we have a little graph here that talks about the abnormal spread between the 10 years treasury and the 30-year mortgage. And maybe you can speak to that. We have a little bit of an anomaly going on right now. Uh, we have a bizarre condition uh, mm -hmm. because normally the spread would be two percentage points. Uh, what it in, in essence means if government can borrow at 4%, mortgage rate should be 6%, you know, two percentage point above that. But what's happening now is that the spread is much larger than normal. There's only two occurrences which this happened in recent history. One was when the Lehman Brothers went bankrupt during 2008. There was a massive panic in Wall Street. So for a few months, it was abnormal spread. And the second occurrence was when COVID, ugly COVID arrived to the country. We were locked down. People did not know about the future. Some degree of panic in the uh, mortgage market, treasury market, so wider spread. But one thing to note is that this widespread begins to diminish quickly over time, mm -hmm. uh, within, say, three, four, five months. But right now, it is abnormally high. Once this spread returns back to normal, mortgage rate could possibly be in the, say, under 6%. Mm -hmm. I think that's a possibility. And we have a oh. Okay, so look at this, Al. Yep. At that chart. Yep. Look how short... The duration is every time that With it's the, the peak when it spikes. Yeah. And, and the spread is already, I thought it was shooting down. 
Exactly. Like in, in the is. last couple. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it is trending down already. Yep. So uh, this is sort of for the, 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 the reason I brought this up. I mean, first of all, all the information I think is fantastic. It's stuff that I honestly didn't know before I didn't. I mean, I figured, you know, obviously knew that there was a certain spread. I didn't know what the typical spread was. And then the duration of the whole thing. So if you're trying to like forecast into the future and think about, um, is that housing market going to crash? People, people, people could say in that. Well, the you'll, you'll see later on, there's another little clip I have where the number of sales crashed <clears throat> technically by, by, uh, 15%, which means it is by then definition a crash because over 10, over 10% is a crash just kind of across the board with yeah. all kinds of stuff, right? Sure, sure. But the real positive optimistic thing about this one is, oh my gosh, it's if, if the spread is going down now, like Al just said, then we're probably going to be on the, we're probably on the bright side of things already. Yes. I, I think so too. I, I, I think as well if it's let's just say 4.5 for argument's sake yeah, not 4.4 <laughs> i think there'll be another 0.5 50 basis points and then i think there'll be 2.25s so that's another 50 so 5 550 plus 2 uh six, 7 7.5 not the worst not 12 and a half yes. and then and then not 12 and a half like the 70s or even before that like 20% yep and then literally pause through like the rest of summer into fall and then start coming down. Yo, yep. And so your thinking is going to bleed right into theirs. Oh, wow. exactly. Yep. And that's, that's where we're headed next year. Uh, so that, so the predictor Gore, that's your new name. Yeah. That's his, that's his, that's his new name. Right? I'm agreeing with them who are agreeing with me. I'll keep my Al agreeable Gore. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so the last little clip that we'll show is is the forecast that kind of bleeds into what Al is pretty much saying and why the optimism seems correct. However, let's go back to pessimism. Yeah. And talk about uh, <clears throat> inventory levels, right? So like mm. that's another thing that I think the doom and gloom folks forget about with when it comes to real estate and housing is like, well, what's the supply and demand about, right? And if you, if you believe in if you understand basic economics and you understand like supply and demand is everything, that's how you start the equation every time. So uh, this next clip is called inventory levels. And this probably won't shock anybody who's a regular listener or Al or Gogor. You know, a hot topic we always get into, Lawrence, is inventory levels. So a lot of times when they screech these rates, uh, use inventory levels start to expand significantly and market times start to expand significantly. That's not exactly happening right now. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about inventory levels and what you're forecasting for 2023. So first on the raw number of counts of inventory available on the market today, uh, it is very low, little over 1 million. Mm -hmm. Contrast this to back in the 2009-2010 period when we had four times more inventory foreclosure crisis, job cuts, people are forced to stay or sell their home. But today, uh, there is a job creation. I know that in some industry, they're laying off workers, but under, other industries are hiring people. So overall, there's more job creation. So much less of a forced sale of a home. Consequently, uh, there is a limited inventory and, and people who are locked in at those 3% mortgage rates of the past few years. They're saying, oh, we love our mortgage rates. We don't want to give it up. Right. 
and it's five because we're at let's just pretend five, we're at a, we're at five what, what? A, a mil, let's pretend we're at an inventory rate of new houses at one million during 2007 that's a four million dollar number right there yeah million, not dollar Four thir- four thir- four, uh, so okay. sorry. The chart, just for all the terrestrial listeners, there's a chart up right now on, that we have pulled up on YouTube. With, the title is Inventory of Homes Rising from Super Tight Conditions. Then there's the chart. <laughs> and Al groaned as soon as he saw the chart because he's like, oh, yeah, like that's there's the pessimism. What I'll describe the chart. The chart from left to right is on a timeline of 2000 from year 2000 to 2022 and then the uh the uh, the y-axis is in number of homes so we spiked in 2008 call it with around four million homes that were on the market mm-hmm. available for purchase we are now right now uh 1.25 yeah 1.25 million so should be around two <laughs> at a you know at a minimum well yeah probably so, like 2.25 yeah if, if it w- exactly like th- there's a line that goes from over the last two decades of that chart straight across it's two million <laughs> so 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 this i so again so like what an interesting situation we're in we have these high interest rates you have high inflation Pe- a lot of people would understand and they'll talk about this in the next segment about like what does inflation do to real estate it's an asset it's going to inflate it yeah. Uh, like building we're sitting in right now went up 10% this last year. Again, year before that, way more than that, like 30%. It was crazy yeah. with all the money. And then you have this cherry on the top, which is, holy cow, the inventory of homes that are available to buy are below an average level. And then just like you heard the gentleman say there on the clip, why, are, why would people decide to sell? The, they're not forced to sell their home right now because like, Jobs are still fairly abundant. The labor force participation's not as high as it could be because a lot of people still haven't went back to work. And that why would they? They're literally married to this very low interest rate. Why would they sell? Yeah, but you want to know what's really concerning the, to me? Plus all the regulations that. Yeah. yeah, regulations, and then there's effects that we don't even know about, and honestly, may or not, may not be true. Um, the hype effect, right? With the twi- with Twitter, with the internet, everything like that. Um, there's these super cities, California, uh, L.A., New York, um, Chicago. Like, hey, here's the cool place to be. Oh, well, those cities aren't going to grow and expand like they could in the 50s, 60s. There's just not enough space. There's too much regulation. Too there's much too much NIMBY. There's too, too much, much too many NIMBY people. Yeah. So, anyways, if you could go back to the chart, I don't know if you can. Yeah, yeah. Let me go back. The thing that's concerning is that from that 2008 no, level. From okay. that 2008 level, yeah. like the line that you could draw down, and obviously there was more of a dip during the COVID times, but like it's still a trend. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. What Alex is saying is literally from 2008 to 2013, everything trended down from 4 million to 2 million. In a rhythmic pattern. Like not in an abnormal looking pattern. And like, so if you're watching on YouTube and you look at this chart, then it, it extends into a further like, there's nothing abnormal about this chart because there's no big spike in either direction. Yep. It just looks pretty logarithmic. And if you look at the left side of the graph too, you see it's trending up, but it's not as rhythmic and it's more, um, I don't know, varied. Yeah. And it, 2000 to 2005, the early days of social media. I think some of this rhythm is also coming from, you've heard it from real estate agents are like, oh, this is the time you sell. 
This is like like FOMO on both sides of the coin. No, but like these months. Oh, oh and everyone like oh, this is when you get the best interesting. price. Interesting. Like, like, yep. Don't put your house in the market until March, and yeah. then you do not put your house in the market until uh, during uh, November to December. Because you see the uniformity. Yeah. There, like it's it's kind of interesting, and and it's just a side benefit of like this side trend of like okay the internet you know um coalescing in in ideas and stuff like that i did not expect this kind of insight very good gore very good that's why you're on the show um okay the so next segment here is insights on housing affordability i can bet you can guess what they're going to talk about which makes the housing also not affordable because it pertains to regulation (laughs) (laughs) uh what is what are your insights on the state of housing affordability uh, well, you know, uh, the uh, prior chart, uh, which shows the home construction uh, levels uh, being down, uh, especially in California, which is the reason why, uh, you know, we are seeing the, the much lower inventory and much higher prices in California compared to other states. So one has to really address about how do you get more builders to build with less regulation? Now, we also have to care about the what's the right balance with the environmental issues, but we cannot be excessive in restricting mm-hmm. supply. Uh, but related to the affordability is that with much higher mortgage rate, just punch the number into the mortgage calculator. All, all high school curriculum actually include mandatory punching into the mortgage calculator so people will be prepared in the future about changes in mortgage rate and mortgage payment. But once one do that, for a middle-income family to buy a middle-priced home in America, it used to be people earning $50,000, $60,000 income. Well, they could buy a starter home. That was possible in America. Not today. Mm-hmm. Higher mortgage rate is implying that one needs about $85,000 in income mm-hmm. to buy a starter home. Mm-hmm. So this is really the reason why we are seeing decline in pending contracts. Holy cow. If you're watching on YouTube, I hope, you're, I hope, you, I hope you zoomed into Al's face. I was just awesome to watch. So, <laughs> A lot of our staff is is roughly a decade younger than us. Yeah. Plus or minus. And one of the comments this week was, I don't know anyone of their friends that has a, uh, purchased a house without help from their parents. And I didn't chime in or anything because I was like, well, I know Lance and I did, but we're a different. It's just a decade. Right. And it was like, different. like that we, we did without our parents. Yeah. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and but like. If I said that, I should have followed up like, oh, the first house I bought was 185 and it's now 380 if you want to buy it. Literally. Yes. Which yes. is, in, it's, that's insanity. Yeah. And, and Al bought that house in 2013 and so nine years later. Yeah. Yep. Um, but if, if you go back to the graph, the, what you needed to make hovered for the last 20 years between literally 40 and, and 60. And 60, and didn't even touch 60. And then in 2022, it shot up to 85. And uh, if, if, we're being, if we're being completely honest, Al and I were right in that range, 40 to 60K uh, back in the day, you yep. know? I mean, just at a base salary base sort salary of thing, you know? Div- yep. yep, without dividends and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's tough. And, and now on the right-hand side of the screen of this chart, it's so in 2022, you need to be making uh, over 80K. So it went from top of 60K in one one year. Everybody knows, every, long-time listeners know, what well, we, we, we harped on a lot. Like, yeah, you can't print 100% of the, to, of the of the money ever in existence in a 20-month period. 
and not expect this to happen is what it is. What if they did expect it to happen? <laughs> well, yeah. Now he's got his tinfoil hat on. Uh, pretty crazy, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I thought the other chart that, that I watched, I was watching, yeah, that you didn't like. Is it up here? Oh, there it is. Is the, the single family housing starts. Yeah. So dismal looking. Like, it's it, from 2009, that was a low point, obviously. They started trending up um, half, like per year. They're in uh, half a million. I don't even know how to read that. Yeah, no, no, you're correct. So okay. it used to be to a half a million. Now it's at one million. It probably, and then the peak in 2005 was 1.75 million. Yeah. So we're, so so 750,000 bo- more yeah, per year. But, but but that's a critical point. Like Al just said, 2005, we, have, we had just in that year, there was a million and a half housing starts. It, 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 18, almost two decades later, when we are seeing we need more inventory, it's not there. It's uh, it's under. It's right at a million. Yeah. Like, you know what's so crazy? This dude? isn't real. This isn't, co- this this again. This way we're not until the supply is increased. I'm sorry. Like we are not solving this problem. Yeah. It's just not happening. So you know what this proves to me though? What? The housing crash in 2008, which is three years past the peak, which was already came down to lower yeah. than now, wasn't an over amount Building. of supply. Yeah. It was an over amount of lending. Yes. There was too much money. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Watch the watch the big short if you don't know. Uh, second to the last one here is uh, so now we're gonna move into positive stuff. Oh yeah. Um, we've we've ripped the bandaid off with all the truth, but now we're gonna put a new bandaid on that's sparkly. So let's look at what housing prices are gonna uh, forecast for the next year. Let's talk about housing prices, and I'd like to talk about the near term, and then a little bit. Let's get out a few years and talk about the long term. Um, again, uh, you shared at the National Association of Realtors. NAR annual, some some stats here and a wonderful graph I'd love you to talk to. Um, but basically, you know, people expect, and there's a lot of articles. I just read something yesterday, prepare for housing Armageddon, you know, housing capitulation. P- there's buyers who are waiting and saying, I'm just waiting until the prices come down 25% in order to buy. Maybe you could speak to that a little bit about what's happened the last few years and what's happened in the next few in few years to come? Uh, you know, first on the data, uh, data is indicating that this year, once all the numbers are in, uh, that median home price will be roughly 10% above last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, people who bought last year certainly is getting gain. I think the key question is, what about those people who bought in spring and summer and now seeing some price decline? Right. Yes, there are some price decline uh, in some markets, and also there are some seasonal factors uh, in it. But uh, as one looks back, uh, the long-term trend, you know, people have to wonder, what was the p- median price of a home uh, back in, you know, 1970, mm-hmm. 1980? So uh, believe it or not, in 1970, if you don't believe it, talk to your grandmother and they will <laughs> explain. $23,000 for a typical home. Right. And now today's medium home prices are, you know, closer uh, to uh, $320,000, dollars yeah. So it just rises. I mean, inflation is a terrible thing for every day, but some asset, asset valuation steadily rise. Home is one of these uh, largest assets most middle-class families hold on to. Uh, and going into the future, I mean, no one can know exactly what the future is, but it's not unreasonable to assume, well, prices will be rising because of inflation. When there is an inflation, people get higher paychecks not an improvement necessarily in standard of living, mm-hmm. but just to catch up on the inflation. Right. Uh, did you love that, Al? Uh, the the whole twenty three thousand in nineteen seventy for a house. 
And then what happened in 1971? Oh, yeah. We went off the gold standard. That doesn't have any started printing relation like, <laughs> totally different connected one is money one is houses i don't know how you're even connected i don't know i don't know i heard you have to have money to buy houses yeah uh misinformation yep fake news uh we're gonna get flagged on everything okay so last last clip of the day here um is uh, there's a 2023 and 2024 housing forecast i'm interested to hear from al obviously what uh because his prediction i think uh, he's he's Holding fast to the April something prediction next year or something. April is kind of the um, bottom of the pain. There you go. We'll see. We'll see if that's true. So 2022, just to wrap it up, 10% when it's all said and done, January through December, the the asset went up 10%. And that's with an interest rate that went from below four to above seven. Uh, 2023 in our discussions, you've mentioned, um, you know, unit sales will come down about 7%, but that you're expecting prices to be basically flat or maybe even increase a percent. And then in 2020, uh, saying, go ahead. Uh, it's a nationwide forecast, which means that roughly half of the country will see some gain yeah. and other half of the country could see some uh, mild decline. Sure. Now, only exception of this forecast is I worry about San Francisco area because, you know, it's so expensive. I would not be surprised if San Francisco, Oakland region would see 15% price decline, but that would be the one exception. Yeah. Most other part of the country, stable prices in essence. Yeah, and even San Diego, like we we are, you know, we've been coming to the garden spot. A lot of Northern California people came down here, uh, but I would also say, you know, we had a 19% increase and that that's bound to level off somewhat, you know, and it's like, okay, we might see three, four, five points mm-hmm. drop. So the areas where they, they had the highest appreciation you know, unless there's unusual market conditions, uh, people, you know, uh, moving there. We're seeing that in the the obvious transplant markets are Florida, Texas, Tennessee, Arizona. You know, low tax states are Nevada. Those are prospering. Um, and, the, and there continues to be price pressures because people are moving from expensive areas. Like Californians go out to Texas and they're still like, hey, this this looks like a good deal. They go to Tennessee New Yorkers go to Tennessee and they're like, I'll take two. And so um, not great for the locals, but uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, you know, you're, you're, as we, as people are preparing for the year, cause they're hearing all this doom and gloom, Lawrence, just let's make it clear. We're, we're seeing a drop off in sales. So, and again, we'll talk about this, a 15% drop in the number of transactions this year, overall a 10% price increase next year, about a 7% drop in overall transactions, but pretty much hold steady on a national level. And then for 2024, you're forecasting a 10% increase in sales and a 5% increase in prices. I think by 2024, we will definitely have lower mortgage rates. All this action by the Federal Reserve to contain inflation, uh, even if it works halfway, means we will have inflation rate of 4 or 5%. That means lower mortgage rates. Again, the big picture is, when there is high inflation, high mortgage rates. Mm-hmm. Low inflation, low mortgage rates. Yeah. So the directional impact is overall for lower interest rates. And that always fuels home buying. So home buying, steady, you know, with 10% growth, uh, those are nice gains. Yes. I think the Fed thinks that home pricing and everything should come down quickly. But they can't control the amount of inventory. Yeah. Big problem. Yeah. Big problem. Yeah. 
Well, let's see. Uh, we are joined uh, finally. Wow. Thank goodness. Superstar. Uh, he's back. Nick with Nick Reads. Hello, best friends. Hope you all had a great week this week. A reading or two. Sometimes a player has to just sit back and think it over. Planning your next move is always more important than just moving recklessly. Plan, then execute. Mr. Ice-T. Without the passion of the mind, the passion of the soul spins out of control. Chasing first this thing, and then that. Pursuing this appetite, and then that. Being consumed by this obsession, and then that. Our passions can consume us until our life force is spent, leaving a shell, a burnt-out corpus. Some become depressed. Others, like many in life, retire and simply die. Just get old, simply glad to be left to rest, doing nothing of importance, content to be living, no matter how little living they're actually doing. Michael E. Gerber, E-Myth Mastery. Merry Christmas. And toodles! <laughs> Check this up. Thought he was Are you reading that. the E-Myth again? I'm reading E-Myth Mastery yeah. and E-Myth for Architects. Ooh. Not the original E-Myth. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So that, that passion of the mind versus passion of the th- soul. And keep that in mind because the next read he'll talk about if you have a passion of the soul, but not a passion of the mind. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, with that, let's bring down the crew, Al. Yep. Okay. Is everyone ready? Yeah. Question number one. According to table 722.4.1, parentheses one of the IBC, if you don't remember that table, a 3.8 inch thick clay or sh- a sh- shale solid brick has a fire rating of how many hours? So 3.8 inch thick brick. How many hours fire rating does it have? A, one. These are all in hours. B, two. C, three. D, four. This is collusion, Tyler. You looked this up last week. Three point eight inch thick brick. Okay. What's the fire rating according to the IBC? Yep. Yep. Full. Yep. Full solid brick. A one hour. B two hours. Three. Three. D four. All right. Three, two, one. Reveal them. What do you got? C A. Uh, B, two hours. Oh, I was with that. Yep. <coughs> All right. According to the same table, a hollow brick that is unfilled is blank, and you'll and you'll have to insert one of these words to meet the same two-hour rating. It's blank. Is it a thinner? So this is a hollow, unfilled brick. Is it B thicker? C, the same thickness, 
or D, lighter? <laughs> okay, the same two-hour rating. This is a hollow brick and it's unfilled. Like it doesn't have mortar in the filling. Is it thinner, thicker, the same thickness, or lighter? Three, two, one, yes. B, 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 incorrect. Wow. Incorrect. It's 3.4 instead of 3.8. <coughs> so it didn't have anything to do with thinner, thicker, or lighter. It just happens to be thinner. And the only thing I could think was not intuitive is that what if the heat rating transfers less? It's 3. Just, point just because of the density, maybe? Like yeah. the, it might be thinner, but the more, we're more dense. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Weird. Tricky. Tricky. What, what we? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> number number three. What is the name of the pipe that leads to the lowest level of drawing? Uh, sorry, I shouldn't. Let me repeat that. That was a typo. Okay. Number three. What is the name of the pipe that leads to the lowest level of drain pipe? A low pipe. B lowest pipe. C, drain pipe. D, lead pipe. All right. We got all the answers. What do you got? D. D? D. D. Correct. Correct. Gresh got it. Isn't that a silly one? Uh, what do we got for scores? Oh, wow. Boy. Just one. What is the number four? What is the unit of measurement that corresponds to the insulating value of clothing needed to maintain a person in comfort sitting at rest in a room at 70 degrees? You you remember this? Like studying this? Seriously? I could I did I did not I had I do not remember this part. Yep. Okay. The hint is we're assuming they're in business clothing. Uh, is it A, PT value, B, R value, C, 1, CLO, D, BTO? <laughs> What'd you get, Coach? D. D. Correct answer, C. Alex Gresh is the winner. One clothing. CLO. Nice. It is the silliest thing. All right, that's it. That's it. If you like this episode, you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe. We'll see you next week.